They also allow one pound for one pound of peanut butter to contain 150 bug fragments and five rodent hairs. <laughs> Did you know that butterflies have been known to drink blood? Every time that little bitty cute guy is sitting on you and you oh, how sweet, he's a little vampire. Did you know that? That your desk, kitchen sink, grocery cart, cell phone, restaurant menu, and ATM all have more bacteria than your toilet bowl. Did you know that? Ooh, yeah. Next time you pick up that menu, you better think about that. Um... Also, one final thing, for all you lovebirds, more than 40,000 parasites and 250 types of bacteria are exchanged every time you have a single kiss. <laughs> Ooh, it got quiet in here. You, when you kiss, are not only exchanging love, you are exchanging parasites and bacteria. Now, why do I share all those? Because that's disturbing information, isn't it? Let me share one more. Did you know that according to a Gallup poll recently, that four out of ten Americans, 40%, say they do not have only slight feelings but constant frequent feelings of absolute intense loneliness absolutely alone Paul Tournier a famous Swiss physician and author once wrote this we need to see that universal sickness that innumerable throng of men and women who are laden down with their secrets, laden down with their fears, their sufferings, their sorrows, their disappointments, and their guilt. We need to understand how tragically alone they find themselves. They may take part in social life. They may be extremely popular they may play a leading role in society. Yet what eats away at them from within is that they may live years without finding anyone on this planet in whom they have enough confidence to unburden themselves and be the real them. What do you think about that? Four out of ten Americans, many of those Christians, feel an intense sense of loneliness. Do you ever feel that way? You know, you may, you may be the life of the party. You may be the, the person who's, boy, everything looks like it's going really, really well. But really behind the scenes, not so good. Really an intense loneliness, really. You may have a lot of friends, but no real relationships. Um... You know, in our world today, we have a lot of social media. You know, we have Facebook and we have Twitter. 
and uh, all the stuff that's out there that you can get on. And you can have thousands of friends, right? <laughs> you can put them on. And you got thousands of friends. And man, they don't know you at all. It's what you put on the Facebook to make them think you are. And the fact is that even though we have all of this great social media, more and more in America it's at the expense of deep, meaningful, shaping friendships. It just seems to be being abandoned. See, it seems like everything else, we tend to want our friendships and our relationships to be fun and friction-free. You think about it in your own life. Whenever the times are rolling and the money's there and the party's hearty, boy, people are there. But whenever that's not there, whenever kind of the bottom falls out a little bit, and you can't seem to find anybody. You know, there are four areas in our life of where we need to be, and the name of the message today is involved. You know, you need to be involved with God. You, you need to be involved with your family. We're not just talking about activities. We're talking about relationally getting to know one another, change each other, stretch each other. You also have to be involved with people who are not Christians to a degree. You have to be able to establish some associations so that you can make an impact in their lives for Christ. But you also have to be involved with other Christians. Really involved. And I'm not talking about being at social events. That includes church. It's not just being in this building or meeting with these people in this venue alone or in a small group area like in our Bible fellowship groups. That's part of it. But it goes beyond that. To make Christ first in our life, and that's what this whole message series is, and we will conclude our message series next week with the Lord's Supper in this series called First. If you're going to put Christ first in your life, it's going to mean that there's going to have to be some solid, legitimate, authentic Christian relationships in your life. Not those relationships that are a mile wide and just a half an inch thick or deep. It's got to go deeper than that. What goes into Christian involvement? What goes into that Christian word fellowship? When we Baptists, when we think of fellowship, we think of food, man. And when we get to heaven, we're going to have a fellowship and they're going to have to have a menu or us Baptists are not going to show up. Right? I mean, there's got to be food. Well, that's part of it. And there's a part of people in your home where you share food and you have a fellowship. But fellowship in the Bible, the Greek word koinonia, it means sharing of life. It goes deeper than mere association. It goes deeper than mere friendship. It goes deeper than superficial interaction. It goes to people who know and love and enjoy spending being involved with each other so that we can stretch and challenge and build each other to reach the potential that God has for us in our lives. You will not, you cannot live the Christian life in isolation. It's not in your spiritual DNA. God didn't put it there. God put those insecurities in your life to be around those people who can help you become more secure. God gave you those securities so you can build that security into the life of other people. What goes into it, though? 
What goes into it? And boy, let's stay out the front. It's not easy. You know, if you look up the word involved in the dictionary, <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, for us Christians, you know, we're kind of like, like porcupines in a snowstorm. Like porcupines in a snowstorm. A porcupine in a snowstorm cannot make it in isolation. He's got to get with other porcupines. And they got to get up close and personal. But the problem is, they poke each other. <laughs> they stick each other. They, they, it's kind of sharp when you get close to another porcupine. But if you don't stick together, you die. Being involved, according to the dictionary, as an adjective, it means to be connected to another person. To be connected, but also the adjective involved also means complicated, right? When we get into companionship and relationship and connections, emotional connections, it sometimes gets complicated. So then what goes into it? I want to share with you several things and then why we should do it before we end today. And they all come in part, part from the book of Acts chapter 2 and in Romans as well. In Acts chapter 2, if you go all the way back, you have all the verses you need right on your outline. But in Acts 2, it is at the very beginning of the church. It is at a place and at a time called Pentecost. And Peter, at that point, the undesignated leader of the other disciples is preaching and talking. And it says in Acts 2, 40, 41, we follow along. Here's the first thing you've got to have, though. If you and I are going to have a depth of involvement in the life of another person, it first means you've got to have a relational connection with Christ. You've got to have a relational connection with Christ. You can only take people as far as you went. You first have to be in Christ. Not just a Christian, not just saying I'm a Christian because you're not a Muslim or you're not a Jew. Not that, that you're a Christian because somewhere at some point in time you got on somebody's their church role of some sort. And not even that you may have went through the, all the motions of being a Christian. That's part of it. But before you and I can build into the life of other people, parent, before you can build into the life of your children, Spouse before you can build into your spouse. Christian before you can build into another Christian. You first have to have a relational connection that is growing and strong. But you first have to have that connection. If you'll notice in Acts 2, Peter said with many other words, he, Peter, warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves, literally, allow yourself, allow the Spirit of God to come in and deliver you to come into your life, to submit your will to His and be saved. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. The word they're corrupt is where we get the English word scoliosis. Scoliosis means to be twisted and crooked. He says, be saved from this crooked generation. And the word here, generation, means the generation of this world. Generally speaking, we live in a twisted world in a twisted society. And as a Christian, you will be in the minority. It doesn't make any difference what time, what culture, what situation you're in. We are to have a relational connection. Save yourselves. Be saved from this corrupt, 
twisted generation, those who accepted his message. Accepted means to receive it, to believe it is true, who trust in it, who place their confidence in that and nothing else ultimately. That is a confidence in Christ, that Jesus Christ is the God-man, He lived the perfect life. He died at the cross. He is risen. He stands risen. He has ascended back to heaven and He dwells in the heart of every individual by the agency of the Spirit of God who place their faith and trust. Accept Him. Here Peter says, accept those who accepted His message and were baptized. That is, come to Christ and then publicly let everybody know like this young lady this morning did, I love Jesus Christ. Like the people who were at the swimming pool a few weeks ago, didn't care what anybody thinks, I followed Jesus, I belong to Him, I've accepted Him, and what's happened internally, I'm wanting you to know externally. So, accept the message and be baptized. And about 3,000 people were added to the number that day. Here's the deal. Johnny mentioned this morning that we, in that baptism, that we die to sin. We die to self and were raised to walk into the newness of life. Have you? I don't mean just being baptized. Have you had a white funeral in your life? Has there been a time in your life when truly you died to you? You died to this world. doesn't mean you became perfect. It means that you accepted Christ and you said by God's enablement, I will live for Him. I will not live as the rest of the world lives. I will live for Him whether anyone walks with me or not. Have you had a white funeral? Has there been a time when you've been and people were invited to your funeral where they got a chance to see the old person is dead, but there is a new person in town? Before you can have an impact on the life of anyone else as a Christian in being involved, that first has to happen. And you have to be growing in that relationship. There's a second thing. There must be a priority on regularly reaching out and touching God. Reaching out and touching God. We've said in this church that part of the mission for us to accomplish is to touch God to transform lives and to take risk for Him to help other people to touch God and transform their life. Touching God is worship. And in the early church, they worshiped as you and I should today. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the Word of God. They not just showed up to hear it, They read it, they studied it, they memorized, they meditated on it, they put it into their life and it impacted how they lived. To be devoted to something is all or nothing. I love Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz was that that coach that coached Arkansas and he coached Notre Dame at one time and he's been an ESPN commentator through the years. On one occasion, Red Holtz, he was talking, Lou Holtz, excuse me, was talking to his team and he was trying to talk to them about being dedicated, being committed, being devoted. And he says, men, here's the difference. You've got to be like a person who's absolutely devoted, not like the kamikaze pilot who, th- who, who flew 50 missions. 
not like a kamikaze pilot that flew 50 missions. He said, that guy <laughs> was, he, he was available, he just wasn't committed. You see, you fly one mission when you're a kamikaze pilot here to be devoted. It's all or nothing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's what you have here. They devoted themselves to that and to the fellowship. That is, to the sharing of life. Not just to meeting at a building, but to share their life, their joys, their struggles, their possessions, everything together. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They came together to break bread. That was in the Lord's Supper, which was not some boring, funeral-esque get-together. It was a celebration. And when they came together, they celebrated the life they had in Christ and how they now, who were old, are now new. And they were encouraged in prayer to not only become better versions of themselves, but to help other people to come into that relationship. And it said that everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were being done by the apostles. Before you and I can impact another individual for Christ to be involved in their life, you and I have to first have a relational connection with Christ and we have to be touching Him in our lives. That intangible, everywhere present, but invisible, mysterious, holy, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present God, you and I are to grow and touch Him more and more and more as we pick up a thirst for heaven. That's the Christian life. Not just going through the motions. It is live full out for Him. Folks, when we begin to live that kind of life, not perfect, struggling, admitting our struggles, getting on top of those struggles, opening up our life and being who we really are with other people, lives can change. There's a third thing. You also have to have an all-in participation mentality. That has to be by all. We're all in. You hear that expression today, all in? You know, used to, you know, it's, it's amazing how phrases change meaning. Used to, all in mean you're absolutely exhausted. That dude is all in. He's worn out. Today, all in means that you are all in. You're there. You're devoted. And that's what Acts 2 even tells us. Look, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They were all in. Now, they weren't a commune. This wasn't Christian socialism. This was that anybody realized that what they had of their time, their talent, and their treasure belonged to other people as they needed it. That was, I mean, this was an all-in participation. You know, we can learn a lesson from ants. You know, those ants, it's amazing to me, especially out here. Boy, y'all have ants all over the place. I mean, I love to run the mower, and I love to just got right over them, man. Just, you know, and they're flying through the air. But those little kamikazes, Man, they'll get on your legs and they're up your leg before you know it, man. Because they don't because if you have attacked their colony and even if they die, they're coming after you. They're all in. Do you know in the rainforest of Brazil, these little militants, as they run through the 
as they go through the jungle to get to their food, they will come across potholes. They don't go around the potholes. They form a bridge across the pothole, and some 200,000 ants will walk across the backs of other ants to get to food. Sometimes in the floods in Brazil, ants, when if you take a single ant, you go home, try this out, if you're really crazy and weird, get you some water and go outside and get you a couple of red ants, maybe one, put them in some water, and just put that one ant in that water, go away for an hour and come back. You know what that ant's going to be doing? You know, whatever ants do to be dead, that ant's going to be dead. You know, he'll probably, like this for a little while, then, oh, it's over. He just went to ant heaven. <laughs> he is gone. But if you take many ants, if you put a number of them together, you know what they'll do? They'll lock arms. And they have this little suction stuff on their legs that God designed their legs with. They'll lock legs. They're locked together. And hundreds of those little beings can float through a flood for months at a time and not lose a single life because they're all in. Because they're willing to sacrifice everything. It is an all-in participation. You see, folks, at times we think in the church, the church is kind of like a gas station. You know, when you're getting a little low, you show up and you fill up, and then you go out and do and drive and travel as far as you want to, and after a while you get empty again, you may come back in to kind of get another fill up. Wrong mentality. Sometimes we check the church and relationships with other Christians like a movie theater. We show up for cheap entertainment. I mean, you come up here and watch a guy like me talk. Man, I can't, I can't even imagine. You, it amazes me you still pay me to do what I do. That you would show up, I and mean, this is cheap entertainment, but some people will come to church to be entertained. And when the entertainment wanes a bit, they go away until the entertainment factor returns. Some people take church like a drugstore, get a little sick, doing a little problematic, show up at church, get a little prescription, get a little better, never go back until there is another sickness again. But that's not how God designed you and I. He designed you as a family, as a body, as a community that needs each other just as those ants need each other. You see, those ants in isolation, they'll drown. But you put a bunch of them together, they stick together. They are connected they are involved. Folks, listen to me. That is what this church will become if I'm pastor. Because I think the world is sick of churches that are sick. Where there is as many problems in as out. It is so desperately looking for something different. The people out there you want to reach, it starts with you and I first having a relational connection with Christ. It starts with us actually worshiping the Lord with all we've got. It, it is continued with an all-in participation, and it also continues with, number four, a demonstration of sacrificial, spontaneous love. People are looking to see whether we love one another if we don't love one another, 
they go, I ain't going to be there. If those people can't love each other, why would I want to do that? It takes spontaneous love. Look in Acts 2.45, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. That was need. They didn't just sell their stuff and give it to people indiscriminately. They didn't just give away stuff just because somebody was like a, a sieve, you know, who was going out and wasting resources. They didn't just pour resources down people without wisdom. But in that time when you gave your life to Christ, you turned your back on everything. If you work for a business, you got fired. If you were part of a family and they weren't Christian, they were Jewish, you were put out. You had nowhere to go. The only way you were going to survive was if this new family was going to be a family to you or not. And there was a spontaneous act of love. They loved one another, but when there was a real need emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, they met it. It is an all-in spontaneous love. Y'all remember in the Gospels there's the great, the great time when Jesus would feed the thousands, the 5,000. You remember that? Jesus fed these 5,000 and they had, he did it with five little pieces of bread and two little fish. And only in the Gospel of John, all the Gospel accounts tell of this miracle, but only the Gospel of John said that the food that was provided for the meal was from a little boy <laughs> who had just enough. He was like most little boys. Five pieces of bread and two fish wasn't going to cut it. Okay, That was just going to get him enough to get it done. But you see, the little boy had an idea that when Jesus asked for the money, or asked for the food, he was not a consumer. <laughs> he wanted to be an investor. He wanted to invest. He trusted God with what he had, and that's what God wants from us. Not to be consumers, but to be investors. Demonstrating love. Folks, love is not just what you say. It starts there. You've got to demonstrate it. And you've got to demonstrate it across the board. There must be spontaneous love, but then also, fifth, there has to be an environment of unity, authenticity, and accountability. Unity, authenticity, and accountability. Look with me to Acts 2.46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Sincere, single-minded focus. Sincere means genuine. They were real. They put their problems out there. They were who they really were. But they were meeting on a regular basis. And they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There was a unity. They would meet publicly in the temple courts. But predominantly they met in homes. And there they would break bread, at times participate in the Lord's Supper, but oftentimes it was just eating a meal together. And in those situations they talked about their Christian pilgrimage. They talked about life. They were authentic. They didn't fake it. They didn't go through the motions. It wasn't superficial. They had all come out of lostness and darkness and they were struggling through that and now they were in the light together. So much today for us there must be a unity of what we believe a unity of love but there has to be an the authenticity to be real and genuine and also to be willing to keep each other accountable accountability is done in large part by example living the christian life out 
meeting with others. But also, we have a common purpose, but we also have to provide each other peer support. And at times, we've got to give each other a push. And no doubt, when these early Christians met, they weren't just getting together to have a Bible study. That was part of it. But Bible study was the smallest part of it. Just a small part. Because it was doing life together. The early Christians didn't just hang out and just do Bible studies. That was part of it. But it was doing life, opening up their life. Anybody can get together for a Bible study. And you get one-on-one, -on -one, you just get information. And sometimes you just get information and you may or, not, may or may not even talk about that information. But it's another thing to keep each other accountable for the information you receive and you're putting it into your life and you get a, an encouragement to keep going, not to give up, to have an opportunity to open up your life to be who you really are. Not just not putting out all your dirty laundry, but being who you are and having another person accept you for who you are, and they wish to participate in your life to take you from where you are to where Christ wants you to be. That is involved, but it's also complicated. It isn't always easy, but it is what the Lord has called us to do, to be people who are on a common purpose, who give peer support, and sometimes we've got to give each other a push. But as we close, here's the final question. Why? Why should I then do this? Well, number one, the Bible says to do it, for one. I mean, we're called to do it. But look, two things. Because Christians need me, and I need them. We need each other. They need you. You're sitting here this morning. Nope, they don't need me. Man, you don't know about me. You don't know what I've done. My friend, it may be your life that as a Christian, God uses to impact the life of someone else in a way nobody else could impact. Look with me to, to Romans 12. It says, In Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We need each other. You have a gift, an ability, an experience, a background that may be able to push me to go to levels I could never go to. There may be things that have happened in my life. I can do the same for you. And we each work with each other, building each other up, strengthening each other, keeping each other accountable in love. You know, if you ever watch these Disney channels, sometimes you'll go off and it's amazing. You'll have these huge big buffaloes, you know. There'll be a bunch of buffaloes. They're kind of walking along. You know, and then here's these lions maybe two or three sitting over here. And they'll see those big buffalo and go, yum, yum, eat them up. Man, we're going to have a barbecue. And you know what they'll do? They'll tack those buffalo and jump on one in isolation. You know what the other buffalo normally do? Run. And I'm sure those buffaloes are looking back going, <laughs> glad that's not me. <laughs> and you know, sometimes we do that as Christians. You know, when, when other people are under attack and they've got a lot of problems, a lot of stuff, and the bottom's falling out, instead of coming back to help, we're like those, you know, like those other buffalo. They just kind of go on and chew the cud and look back and, yeah, glad it's not me. But go to YouTube. For those of you who use the Internet, go to the YouTube and plug in the Battle of Kruger. Nine years ago, 
an amateur was in South in um, um, what was it South Africa at the Kruger National Wildlife Park, and they were just sitting in a car and they were just filming, and here is a mama buffalo. I mean, one of these big, huge buffalo, big antlers. Mama buffalo, daddy buffalo, <laughs> little baby buffalo. You know, kind of like the three bears, except these are buffalo. And they're walking along, and here's these lions over here. They look way over here, and they're crouching down, four of them. They take in. Mom and daddy leaves. Baby starts trying to run. The lions collapse upon the baby. They roll into the waters. They begin to chew on baby. Alligators show up. They begin to chew on lion and baby. Lions say, we got to get out of here. They pull the baby up on, and it looks like it's the end for little baby buffalo. But then something really weird happened. Way over here, hundreds of buffalo begin to come. And they surround these lions. And they sat there, and at first you go, man, what are y'all doing? Y'all just doing this for cheap entertainment? What are you doing? You just watching? After a while... One of those buffaloes gored one of those lions 10 feet up in the air, putting it in the water. Other buffalo saw that happen and went, hot dog, I want in on this. And they char the other one charged one of them, knocking it down, to which the other two cowered down for a little while. And after a while, single buffalo were running those lions off, saved little baby buffalo. Now the reason I tell you that story is that's the way it ought to be for Christians. When other people, especially baby Christians, or any Christian is being attacked through life circumstance, man, we don't abandon them. We come in, maybe put our own life on the line to show that we love enough to attack an enemy. That, on any normal occasion, by ourselves we would run from. But in numbers... We need each other. And when we do that, we can accomplish a lot. One final thing. Why do we do it? Because Christ requires it of me. He requires it. Romans 12, it says, Love must be sincere. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Folks, do you know if, if we just did that, we'd be doing supernatural stuff. And that's what God has caused it. We do it because each of us need each other. But Christ requires it of us. Are you involved that way with other Christians? If not, why not? What's keeping you from doing that? And furthermore, are you involved with Jesus Christ? If not, why not? How long have you got to live? You may have went to a doctor. He may have given you a diagnosis, and you may have a general idea. You have no idea when you're going to die. As a Christian, you gave your soul to Christ, and now he wants you to live for him with all you got. And part of that is pouring your life 
if you're a parent, into your kids. Authentically, genuinely as a Christian to be involved in their life. If you're a married couple, to pour your life into each other, making each of you the best Christian you can be. And then together as a family or as an individual, you want to know what your calling is? I don't know if you've got 24 hours to live or 24 seconds. It is to take that calling and impact the life of as many Christians and as many lost people in this world as you can before you do this for the last time. That's what God wants you to be involved in. Would you stand with me today? Have you never given your life to Christ? When this service is over, we're not going to put you on parade to walk down in front of people. If you want to come and talk to me, I'm right here. If you want to come up here in the office this week and talk to me, right here. If you're here today as a Christian and struggling, let's talk about it. If you're having a problem being involved with another individual or with God, let's come and talk about it. But don't wait. Church, become the church. Become the individual. Become the family that God wants you to be. Let's pray. Master, we thank you for this time to worship you, to make you first. Help us, Lord, to go out of this place and make you first. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.